Ten attempts in total were made to pull the men from the wreck of the bark Mary Stoddard. Each time, the boats were beaten back by the terrible storm that had caused the ship to ground to start with. Each time, the men clinging to the rigging could see help get closer and then turn from them again. On the shore, the people could see the men in the rigging, so close, yet still completely beyond help. Hello, and welcome to the Shipwreck Archive. Thank you. Would you happen to have the troubled rescue of Mary Stoddard? Here we are. Enjoy! The Mary Stoddard out of Scarborough had sailed in November 1857 for Malta, with government stores bound for the naval base there. Once they were done unloading their goods in Malta, they stopped in Alexandria to take on a cargo of horse beans and cotton. Here, Captain Hill, the captain of the Mary Stoddard, also separated with his wife, who he had brought along for the first leg of the voyage, even though she was pregnant. She would later travel in more comfort on a steam vessel back to their home. Once the Mary Stoddard had loaded her stores, she began her voyage back as well, with her destination being Glasgow. As they entered the Irish Sea, the weather began to take a turn for the worse, but Captain Hill does not seem to have been very concerned, since he did not even reduce sail. It was not until he was on the lee shore of the unfamiliar Dundalk Bay that he reduced sails and hoisted a distress signal. Now, Captain Hill and the 18-man crew of his ship could only hope that there was someone out in the poor weather who would be able to come to their aid. The Enterprise, a paddle-wheel steamship belonging to the Dundalk and Midland Company, had set out from Liverpool and gone straight into the same poor weather that now had placed the Mary Stoddard in distress. Captain Johnston was in home waters as he sailed into Dundalk Bay on April 6, 1858, however, and so when the lookout called that there was a ship in distress, he headed directly to her aid. Indeed. It was not even the first ship that he had tried to help that day. The first ship they had seen was a Dutch galliot named Gebroder Zelling that was clearly in a dangerous position as well. Captain Johnston had called out to her and offered help, but he was ignored. Finding that they were unwilling to accept his assistance, he had instead headed to help the Mary Stoddard. The Mary Stoddard was in grave danger even if the men on board of her were not familiar enough with Dundalk Bay to realize it. As she was, she was driving hard towards Castle Rock, and even though the gale was blowing so hard that Captain Johnston was not able to make himself heard, he managed to communicate to Captain Hill on board of the Mary Stoddard that he needed to set more sail to get his ship away from the rocks. With the aid of the extra sail, the Mary Stoddard began to slowly travel to the west, and safety. Several times, 
Captain Johnston tried to get a rope to the Mary Stoddard so that he could board her and help her to safety, but the storm was so bad that every attempt was thwarted. Instead, he had to do with standing by the ship in the Enterprise for the next six hours, slowly shepherding the bark to safety. The Mary Stoddard had too deep a draft to go up the river to Dundalk and find safety there. Instead, Captain Johnston directed them to the middle buoy of the harbor as a good and safe anchor point for them. With this, Captain Hill signaled that he felt safe by lowering the distress flag. With this, Captain Johnston felt safe enough to leave the Mary Stoddard and continue on his trip in the Endurance, though as he left, he promised to send assistance the next morning. It was now around midday of Tuesday the 6th of April. Richard Ray, one of the men of the crew, would later say that he thought that the Mary Stoddard would have been saved if, when the storm had first hit the ship, they had reefed the sails. But due to this not happening, they had been brought so close to the rock they had been forced to fly the distress flag. This would not be the only time that a finger was pointed to the judgment of Captain Hill for the loss of the Mary Stoddard. A witness from the shore would later testify that it was his belief that had the Mary Stoddard cut away her masts or even her yards, it might have made her less top-heavy and she would not have ended up in the trouble she would find herself in. As it was, the paddle steamer Independence departed Dundalk Key on the 7th of April with the intent of going to aid the Mary Stoddard. The plan was that, if possible, they should bring the Mary Stoddard to Carlingford Lou, where the water was deeper and there was shelter that the Mary Stoddard could ride out the storm in. Captain Johnston was not in command of the Independence, but he seems to have decided it was his duty to see the Mary Stoddard to safety, because he was on board. The plan of towing the Mary Stoddard was foiled by the same rough seas that had prevented Captain Johnston from boarding her the day before. In the terrible gale, there was no way to get a line to reach the troubled ship. Captain Johnston and four of the crew instead took it upon themselves to launch one of the ship's boats. If they could not tow the ship, the next best thing, in Captain Johnston's estimation, would be for him to go on board and act as a pilot, since he knew the waters far better than anyone on the Mary Stoddard would. With a small boat from the Independence alongside, Captain Johnston was hauled on board of the Mary Stoddard, but the weather soon grew much worse, and Captain Johnston could not deny the danger to the men on the small boat or to the Independence. He therefore dropped a note into the boat with instructions that the Independence just go out to sea where it would be safe from being driven ashore by the storm, and he would remain on the Mary Stoddard. They would reconvene the next morning in the hopes that the weather would calm overnight. The ship's boats returned to the Independence, and the steamer obediently went out to sea. The captain of the Independence would later describe it as one of the worst seas he had ever encountered and over the course of the next five hours, she would encounter waves so strong that when she returned the next day for the Mary Stoddard, 
part of the portside bulwark had been stove in by the force of the water hitting her. To their dismay, the weather was still too rough for the Independence to be of any use, and it retreated to safety. The morning of the 8th of April brought more bad news from the Mary Stoddard. Around midnight that night, she had dragged her anchor to such an extent that she was now only in 12 feet of water, not enough of a draft for the ship, which had grounded. The way Richard Ray, one of the ship's crew, would tell it many years later, when the ship had begun to drag, Captain Johnston had selected that portion of beach as the safest one to ground on, as it was sandy. Whether the ship was deliberately placed there or not, the men on the Mary Stoddard were still in grave danger due to the height of the waves. Richard Ray would also say that if Captain Johnston's advice had been followed by Captain Hill, the Mary Stoddard would not have been wrecked at all. This matched a statement given years before by one of the ship's apprentices to the newspapers right after the wreck. In neither case, it was specified what advice Captain Johnston had given that the captain of the Mary Stoddard had ignored. But whatever it was, it was a detail that lingered in the minds of the crew. For the people on the shore who could see the bark, and those on board of the Independence, it was clear that those on board of the Mary Stoddard were in mortal danger. The ship was stuck at such a level that high tide covered her deck, and the people on board of her were driven into the rigging that had not yet been destroyed by the waves. As the Independence approached, the men on the Mary Stoddard were trying to make a shelter out of canvas on the deck to protect them from the waves that were crashing over the deck, even at low tide. But even as they did so, the tide came back in, and they were driven back into the rigging. A note from the archive. As Captain Johnson had feared, the Dutch ship he had approached before going to the aid of the Mary Stoddart also wrecked in the storm that claimed the Mary Stoddart. The ship was wrecked at a place where it was easier to go to the men's aid, however, and no lives are reported to have been lost. The Belgian bark the Edward and the brig the Grace were also reported to be wrecked in the same storm, also with no mention of lives lost. The first attempt to rescue the people on the wrecked ship came from some people who lived in the area, one of whom told his story to the London Express. Mr. Connick, an agent of the shipwrecked fishermen and mariners' society, came to Blackrock as soon as he heard about a wreck. He could see the men clinging to the rigging, and he was able to gather some people to attempt a rescue. Once they had two boat crews, they set out. But these were not lifeboats. They were just yawls, each manned by six men. They managed to get three miles out, but the further they got, the higher the waves that smashed into them became. Every time they attempted to approach the wrecked ship, they were thwarted by the changing tides. Finally, the boat crews were too exhausted to continue fighting the sea, and the ships were in too great of a danger of being swamped. They were reluctantly turned back to shore, something that must have been even more difficult to do since they could see the shipwrecked sailors waving at them from the rigging. While they had been at sea, 
another yawl had also set out. This one in the command of Captain Joseph Kelly, who had the command of the steamship Pride of Erin. He and Captain Johnson were described as very friendly with one another, and they apparently shared the trait of going to aid those in distress. Unfortunately, Captain Kelly had not had better luck in reaching the Mary Stoddard than the others who had also tried in yawls. The seas were too rough for such small boats. The next attempt was made by the lifeboat of the Enterprise, Captain Johnston's own ship. They brought the boat by cart to where it would be easiest to launch it, but it met with no better luck than the yawls had experienced, and was also forced to return to the shore. The people in Blackrock went to bed that night as the gale continued to rage, with people concerned that the Mary Stoddard was going to break up during the night. There was deep concern for the men on board, who were still clinging to the rigging. Because Captain Johnson was a familiar face in Dundalk, there was a particular concern for him from those on shore. On board the ship, the crew was beginning to grow weaker. The only fluid they had was two bottles of sauce that they dispensed by the spoonful, and the only food was some of the horse bean cargo that had washed onto the deck. The ship's galley contents had washed away or were underwater. The foul weather, bitter cold, and the many hours of clinging to the rigging was also taking its toll. The crew was no longer complete either. Captain Hill and the ship's cook, a man named John Baptist, took particular care to secure the ship's apprentices to the rigging so that they would not fall. Unfortunately, John Baptist lost his own hold during the night and was swept away by the sea. The crew would remember him as someone who took the utmost care of the apprentices as much as possible even in their dire situation. Soon to follow, John Baptist was one of the ship's apprentices, Richard Lancaster. Ray and Lancaster were both from Scarborough, and they took shelter together in Mizzen for the night. As the two clung to one another, Ray would say that Lancaster had spent the night telling him over and over that he was determined that he would never see Scarborough again. His prediction proved correct. The mizzen was not as safe a spot as the foretop where others had sheltered, and so it was decided that Lancaster and Ray needed to cross over. Ray managed it. Lancaster was being assisted by another sailor, but even with the help, was swept overboard by the large waves that continued to batter the ship. Through the night, Captain Johnston had felt the knees of two men in his back, but the next morning, he turned to see that both of them had frozen. They too were cast into the waves, but there was no time for sentiment, and some of their clothing was taken by members of the crew for additional warmth. On shore, a meeting took place around four in the morning between multiple captains to try to decide how to go about the rescue. It was decided that it was not practical to make another attempt with the independence. And so attention was turned to the possibility of using a steam tug to tow two boats near the Mary Stoddard. Unfortunately, it was soon discovered that the steam tug's engine was out of order. The rescue was going to have to be by small boat or nothing at all. Captain Kelly of the Pride of Erin and Captain Hind of the Independence 
therefore gathered their crews and got their boats ready. Captain Hind had one of the lifeboats from his own ship, but Captain Kelly decided to take a normal ship's boat rather than a lifeboat, because it was less heavy and would therefore be easier to row. It was a decision that surprised many. Captain Kelly was an experienced sailor who must have known the difference between a lifeboat and a regular ship's boat in rough seas. The two boats first headed towards the lighthouse, but even this was not uneventful. In the crossing, a wave pitched a man out of Captain Hines' boat, and saving him resulted in them losing an oar. They were able to reach the lighthouse, though, and tried to decide what to do next. Some concern was voiced about the tide, but Captain Kelly was anxious to go on, and so the two boats continued their fight through the sea. For the first time since the Mary Stoddart wrecked, boats managed to get close enough to the wreck to speak to the survivors. Pulling up into the lee of the ship, Captain Kelly called out to Captain Johnston to jump from the poop deck and into his boat. Richard Ray, who was standing nearby, said that the two men spoke to one another in very friendly terms, in spite of working for rival companies. But Captain Johnston told Captain Kelly that his suggestion was not possible. He was in too weakened of a state to make the leap. Captain Kelly turned to the crews of the two boats and informed them that since there was nothing they could do for the survivors, they should return to the shore. Almost as soon as he had said it, a giant wave crashed over his boat and capsized her. The same wave crashed over Captain Hines' boat as well, but since it was a lifeboat, it had air chambers which prevented it from sinking, even though it was filled with water. The men on Captain Kelly's boat clung to the upturned boat, but the sea was not done with them. Another giant wave crashed down, this one righting the boat and flinging them all off again in the process. Captain Kelly was wearing a long, heavy overcoat and sea boots. The weight of both was enough to drag him down. Another man, James Murphy, also did not return to the boat. As soon as he could, Captain Hind rushed his boat to come and assist. Gerald Hughes had taken a blow to the head, and though he was conscious when they pulled him out of the water, he did not survive the trip back to Blackrock. James Crosby was not conscious, but had taken a hold of one of the seats of the lifeboat, and they were forced to pry his hand off of it to remove him from the boat. He would make it to shore, but passed soon after. Since Captain Kelly's boat had lost all of its oars when the waves had crashed over it, the lifeboat of the Independence was forced to tow it back. They were assisted in the task by the boat from the Enterprise, which had set out to also attempt a rescue of those on the Mary Stoddard. The men were in a terrible condition when they returned to Blackrock, and were immediately taken to receive what first aid could be given. Those on board of the Mary Stoddard had seen the many rescue attempts, including the capsizing of Captain Kelly's boat, but they were still holding out hope. Another member of the crew had been washed overboard during the day, and two more had succumbed to the elements. They set to work, trying once again to rig a canvas shelter on the deck to give them some warmth and protection, 
and two cans of tin meat had washed onto the deck to offer them additional relief. They did not have a chance to open the cans, however, when a boat pulled up alongside. Though the people in Dundalk had given up any rescue attempts until the next day, at 5 p.m. that evening, a boat had left Giles Key under the command of Robert Shankey, chief boatman of the Coast Guard. He had been away on other business until Friday evening, and that was when he learned of the failed attempts of rescue. He immediately got to work. The seas were still rough, but the storm had begun to calm. Once again, a small boat was able to come alongside the Mary Stoddard. Somehow, one by one, seven of the survivors managed to lower themselves into the boat under the charge of Shanky. Among them was Captain Johnson. Captain Hill, his first mate, and two other sailors refused to join them, however. The boat was going to have a rough journey back already, and they did not want to overload her and put the boat in more danger. Promising to return the next morning, the two cans of meat were left with the men who remained on the Mary Stoddard. A few hours later, they were able to land at Soldier's Point, where Captain Johnston immediately asked to be brought to the Enterprise so he could recover on his own ship. All of the men had severe frostbite, and one man had a cut on his head from falling from the rigging after he had fallen asleep. He would not have survived the fall, except that at the time he dropped, there was four feet of water over the deck. Before dawn the next morning, the remaining men on the Mary Stoddard were pulled off, with Captain Hill being the last man to leave the ship. The impact of the Mary Stoddard on the local community continued to be felt, however. The men of the boat that had capsized were all members of the community, and a fund was soon gathered for the families of the men. Funds were also raised for a monument in their honor. The National Lifeboat Institution awarded not only the men who had commanded the boats that had worked so hard to rescue those on the Mary Stoddard, but also Captain Johnston silver medals. It was also decided it was time to establish a lifeboat station in Blackrock. For a very detailed and well-researched account of the rescue attempts, please see The Wreck of the Mary Stoddard in Dundalk Bay, 1858, by Charlie McCarthy, or see our other sources in the description below. Thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting the Shipwreck Archives. See you soon.